This morning, I have a message entitled, War of the Worlds. Now, this is not some sci-fi thing, but this is a message about the struggle that every believer feels and deals with between doing the things the Spirit of God empowers you and wants you to do and the things that your sinful nature pulls at you to do. Now, make no mistake, before you come to Jesus and experience his glorious power in your life, you're pretty much a slave to the sinful nature. You do what it tells you to do. Jesus challenged even the religious leaders of his day who were not born again men and said to, he said to them, he said, you know, you're of your father the devil. Pretty strong words. He says, whatever your father tells you to do, that's what you do. You look around the world, the world is full of, despite its, its, its best intentions, it's full of anger, violence, despair, hunger, uh, disaster. Oftentimes people try to use that as uh, argument for that there is no God. And, and it's an absurd argument. What it is, it's proof of the sinfulness of man, of the depraved nature of mankind. And how by yielding to our sinful nature, instead of yielding to God, we become such a, a, a terrible, violent a world in which to live. Jesus came, he died on the cross, gave us the ability to have the Spirit of God living in us, to empower us now to live free from that sinful nature. And it's quite glorious, actually. Jesus came to save you from your sins and from the power of sins. And now he enables you to do what you could not do before. You are able now to love people that are unlovable. You are now be able to be kind to those you wanted to punch in the face before. It is life changing. It is transforming. It is a glorious, wonderful thing. Now, sadly, you would, uh, you would hope, you know, that, uh, boy, Jesus, once you become a Christian, that now you're totally free from your sinful nature and now you just have the power of God working in you. But sadly, that's not the case. The reality is that sinful nature is still there. And that is the challenge that many Christians face, is that pull between walking in the power of God in your life and, and living the kind of life that people go, wow, I want to be like you. You know, wow, what an amazing life you lead. You know, God answers your prayers. You're full of joy, peace, kindness, all this kind of stuff. Uh, or getting pulled into the old nature, which is still always nipping at our heels. And we're going to talk about that uh, today. Uh, in Galatians, the fifth chapter, Paul writes about this talking about the struggle and how to overcome the struggle, how you can win. There's this battle going on inside you. God wants you to win the battle, to win as victorious believers, to be overcomers. We are to be, how many know the Bible says we're supposed to be an overcomer? We're supposed to be an overcomer. Jesus promised in the book of Revelation, to him that overcomes, I will grant to live with me in eternity. What are some of the things that we overcome? This, this sinful nature is one of these things that pulls against us. Now Paul, giving us the keys to this, says he, in Galatians, he says, So I say, live by the Spirit, and then you won't gratify the desires of the sinful nature. For the sinful nature desires what is contrary to the Spirit, and the Spirit to what is contrary to the sinful nature. That's that struggle that goes on in every believer. Now they are in conflict with each other, so that you do not do what you want to do. And he writes about it in more details when he writes to the Roman Christians. He says this, he says, I know that nothing good lives in me that is in my sinful nature. And that's why you don't want to live according to your sinful nature. Because if you just try and live according to your own strength, Christianity and grace and all these things becomes impossible for you to live. You don't want to live under that nature. He says, if you do that, he says, for I have the desire to do what is good, but I cannot carry it out. For what I do is not the good I want to do, 
No, the evil I do not want to do. This I keep doing. That's what happens when you yield to your sinful nature. Even though you believe the right things. Even though you think the right things. Even though you desire the right things. If you keep letting your sinful nature dominate you, it will pull you and keep you from being able to do those things. And he says, if I, uh, if I do what I do not want to do, it's no longer I who do it, because see, the real me wants to serve God. But it is sin living in me that does it. So I find this law at work. When I want to do good, evil is right there with me. <laughs> you ever feel that? For in my inner being, I delight in God's law, but I see another law at work in the members of my body, waging war against the law of my mind, making me a prisoner of the law of sin at work within my members. What a wretched man I am, he says, when he lives in that kind of state. And make no mistake about it, folks. If you are a Christian on the edge, you're not really doing anything for God, you're not really, you're just kind of in the middle, there's nobody more miserable than that. You know, in Christianity, you're either moving forward or you're falling back. It's just that simple. You think you're standing still, you think you're just kind of in the middle. It's the most miserable place you can be. You've got just enough of hell to poison your life and just enough of God in you to make you feel guilty for where you're living. And you're just kind of just living in hell. It's a horrible place to be. And he says, what a wretched man. And he writes, he says, who will rescue me from this situation, from this body of death? And he praises God. He says, thanks be to God through Jesus Christ our Lord. Jesus, by his Holy Spirit, is the one who empowers us to live out the Christian life. Okay? So, now he continues to write about it, explaining it more in detail in, in Romans. And he starts to give the key. He starts to say, he's, he, he, in the first chapter, or in the next chapter, in the very first verse, he says, we need to be transformed. Well, how do you get transformed? How do you do this, Paul? I'm struggling. I'm struggling in my life. How do I get transformed? He says, by renewing your mind. Change the way you think. And he talks about it in more detail. When he says in the next few verses, he says, those who live according to the sinful nature, those who are being dominated by the sinful nature, those who live defeated Christian lives, the people who, who are always failing and struggling and doing what God wants them to do, they're the ones who have their minds set on what that nature desires. But those who live in accordance with the Spirit, the ones who live strong, victorious lives in God, have their minds set on what the Spirit desires. You see, the key to this, winning this battle, is in your head. He goes on to say, he says, the mind of sinful man is death, but the mind controlled by the Spirit is life and peace. The Bible warns us not to be what Paul said, carnally minded. Uh, Carnal comes from the word carne, which means meat. Minded has to do with what's in your head. The Mark Gunger translation would say, don't be a meathead. Okay? So that's what happens. We become meatheads. Instead of seeking after God and thinking spiritual positive things, We just coast along thinking just the old patterns that we're used to thinking and it empowers that enemy that pulls you back and causes you to fall and fail. That's why Paul wrote in Philippians, he says, Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, anything is excellent or praiseworthy. He says, think about such things. Watch what you think. If you will get your head in the right place, if you will think spiritual thoughts, 
if you will be spiritually minded, this is the gateway, this is the key. If you will allow your mind to think on positive things, things about God, reading the scriptures, praying, trusting God in your life, it empowers the spirit of God in you and you overcome the sinful nature and you walk free and empowered by the Holy Spirit. But even though you're a believer with God living inside you, if you keep thinking negative, normal thoughts like many of you thought all your lives, successful Christianity seems like a distant goal that you cannot attain because you're constantly being a slave to the sinful nature. So what's wrong? What's wrong with, you know, how come God doesn't help me? God will help you. You just got to get your head out of the toilet. You've got to start thinking the right way. Start thinking right thoughts. If you will think the right thoughts, it will empower and change your life. The question is, what do you think about? I mean, a lot of people spend most of their time just thinking negative thoughts. And it seems to come natural to all of us. I mean, if you don't intentionally think positive things, you will think negative things. Worrisome things. It's amazing how much energy people burn worrying about things that will never happen. You know, fretting, oh, what's going to happen to this? And this is going to happen to that. I don't know what's going to happen if this happens. The whole life was just living in this negative cycle all the time. And then these very same people seem to be constantly being pulled into sinful failure and not understanding why. It's because they're always worrying and always fretting and always thinking negative things, rehearsing the worst scenario all the time. And I'm all for being you know smart and wise and stuff but oftentimes people we get irrational in our fears you know people all over America today just having a fit and afraid to get around anybody publicly and, and uh, I heard on TV last night the the brilliant commentators warning everyone in church the next morning not to touch anybody you know because of the swine flu that's going along you know never mind there isn't any around here but all the same you know well, now, if, if people have a bunch of swine flu, yeah, then, then you know, I'll look at But worrying and freaking out about something, not touching anybody because you're afraid of something that's not even around is a little crazy. But what happens? We just get caught up in worries. And <laughs> Some of you guys, you always think of negative things. Sweet as, as, as you are in your beautiful little faces. When you're, when you're by yourself, you're thinking, boy, if that guy ever says that to me, I'm going to punch him in the face. <laughs> You know, my husband says to me, I went to one more time, I'm going to scratch his eyeballs out. You know, my wife makes one more comment about my underwear on the floor. I'm going to just... And you just rehearse this nonsense over and over and over again. And then you go, oh, I shouldn't think about that. I shouldn't think about that. And then you think about it some more. And you think about it some more. Just, just constantly. And then, when the right buttons are pushed in your life, and your spouse is really good at that, then all of a sudden... All this, all this negative stuff comes out of you. And you think, watch you, where did that come from? I'll tell you where it came from. It's from you thinking about that all the time in your head. Rehearsing that stuff. And you wonder why I'm failing. Why I'm... Stop thinking negative things. And, 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 and you don't, it doesn't all necessarily have to be scriptures. You don't have to read the Bible 24-7. That's why he says whatever's right, whatever's pure, lovely, anything. And get some positive things in your head. Go down to some Christian bookstore. Go on bookstore here and get some materials get some positive thoughts watch what you watch watch what you read man if your only source of encouragement every day is the morning paper <laughs> no wonder your life stinks 
Good grief. That stuff will just suck the life out of you. Watch what you think because you want to win this battle. You want to win this struggle between the sinful flesh and the new nature of God that is in you. Again, it would be wonderful if because you're just believers in Jesus and you've been baptized and you're honoring God and you're following God that that nature would just go away. But it doesn't. It never goes away. It's like, you know, those bee horror flicks where the, you know, the bad guy never quite dies. You know what I'm talking about? <laughs> you think he's dead, all of a sudden he's not dead anymore. I don't know how they pull that off. Always freaks me out. Because I'm actually believing what I'm seeing. And I'll be watching this, I'll be in the movie theater, and all of a sudden the guy who just died all of a sudden pops back up again. And I'll go, ah! And I'll, I'll scream like a 13-year-old girl in those places. You know? <laughs> No, actually, all the 13-year-old girls turn around and say, what is your problem, man? <laughs> you know he ain't dead. I saw him die! I saw him die! Anyway, it's like that with the sinful nature. It's like you think it's gone. You think it's, I'm free. It's not there anymore. And all of a sudden, it comes back out again. You're beat that thing back. It's part of that struggle that goes on on the inside of us. You want to win that struggle. Now Paul goes on to explain why you want to win that struggle because he starts to show the difference between what your life is like when you let the sinful nature dominate you and what your life is like if you let the Spirit of God dominate you. So back in Galatians, the fifth chapter again, he's talking about this war between the flesh and the Spirit. And he starts to explain. He says, now the acts of the sinful nature are obvious. (laughs) when I read that I think obvious to whom because it appears and seems to me that we live in a culture today where it's not obvious at all I mean it's obvious if you got any sense from my viewpoint if you got any common sense at all if you have any spiritual viewpoint at all it's common sense it's obvious to us but I'm shocked and amazed at how many people who claim to be Christians I'm not talking about pagans and heathens you know they're going to do what they do they don't even know what they're doing But Christians who get involved, and by the way, he's writing to Christians and warning them about not to do these things, which we're about to read. I'm stunned at how many Christians are completely oblivious that there's anything wrong with any of these things. I don't know, I don't know what's wrong with that. So he says, that's obvious, and I just wonder, man, where are we at today? Because to a lot of people, it's not obvious at all. So then he starts to list... Some of the things of the sinful nature that are supposed to be obvious. And you can probably break them down into about four different categories. We'll kind of group them together. The first category is sexual sin. He says sexual immorality, impurity, and debauchery. That's all talking about sexual sin. Other translations are more specific. Adultery, fornication, all sorts of different things. It, it just amazes me today how many people are just zing. While he's saying this should be obvious to a person of faith, to a person who understands God at all. Understands God's standards at all for life. It should be obvious to us. I'm stunned. How many people who claim to know Jesus is completely zoop and not obvious to them at all? Uh, I don't know how many of you listen to my uh, radio show. I do a, a daily radio show that yeah, you can hear online. In fact, the only way you can hear it is via the internet. <laughs> There's not a Christian station in the world that'll put me on because uh, we, we talk about everything, you know. Uh, every morning from 10 to 11 via the internet, internet or you can download it later on, on iPod or you know, with your 
I, whatever, I, 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 I. But, uh, and, and, you know, people write me and they call from all over the country and the world, actually, asking me questions about life and about relationships and stuff like that. And I, I got this uh, question the other day from a man who said, listen, I, I, I want to, I have a, been married for some time to this wonderful woman. She's great. She's fabulous. There's nothing wrong with her. We have a, a great life together. But uh, lately, I, I've discovered my true soulmate, and uh, and I'm having sex with her. And uh, I, I just want to know what what you think. <laughs> you want to know what I think? I think you are an idiot wrapped up in a moron. That's what I think. <laughs> And I went off on the guy. I says, listen, dude, you keep acting this way, you're going to split hell wide open. You think you can act this way as a Christian and justify yourself. Now, now, don't misunderstand me. I have all the mercy and grace for anybody who fails about anything. Lots of people make lots of different mistakes. But when you make the mistakes and you go, you know, I'm sorry. And I want to repent. I want God to forgive me. Man, I've got no problem with that. What fries me is people who claim to be Christians and then justify their sin. That it's okay. It's okay. You know, it's a, you know I, I know the Bible says, you know, we shouldn't. Do it, but, but it's my soul, mate. A, I, I, I know some people think it's wrong, but I, but I don't feel. It's amazing how many people. It wouldn't surprise me some of you sitting here. That if we were to talk, and some of you were involved in some of the most disgusting things you shouldn't be doing. How quickly you justify it by saying... Well, yeah, I know, but I feel. And who cares about the Bible? Throw that in the trash. Who cares what God says? I mean, that's not, we don't. That's not our standard anymore. Our standard is how I feel. Well, I just don't feel. My friends don't feel it's wrong. You are delusional. If you think you can continue to do these kinds of things that are supposed to be obvious to a normal person, which we seem to be lacking on today, you think you can do these things and it's going to be okay with God? You are fooling yourself. You are fooling yourself. Unbelievable. So I went off on this guy and I just rebuked him as hard as I possibly could. Then I got an email the next day from another lady who had heard that, that conversation. And she said, I heard what you said yesterday about the guy who, you know, is having an affair with his soulmate. And I heard what you said to him, but, but what about that poor girl? What about that poor, what about his poor soulmate? Excuse me? What about his wife? What about his children? I mean, come on, people. We are not talking about some little minor doctrinal interpretation of what the Bible might say about global warming here. We're talking adultery. It's one of the big top ten. All right? It's one of the thou shalt nots. What, 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 what about that poor soulmate of his? Poor soul, who cares about his wife? I mean, come on. The reason God is so offended by it is one of the meanest, cruelest things you can do to your spouse. I mean, what else can you do that's more cruel to your wife, to your husband, to your children than to commit adultery? Unstinking believable. And then to justify, well, it doesn't really matter what God says, because I feel it's my soulmate. Soulmate. You know, there's another word for her. It's called a homewrecker. There's a few other words I won't use in public. 
But we don't call things what they are anymore. We've got nice fancy words for them. You know, what about the poor soulmate? That's how twisted we are in our thinking. Things that should be obvious. And you think, my God, what kind of world are we living in today? I'm talking Christians again. I get people out there doing all kinds. They don't know God. They, they're slaves to their sin. They can't even think rationally. The majority of them. That's why the world's such a mess. Because of the presence of sin in their lives. They don't want God in their lives. That I get. I understand. That's Christians. Who should see these things as obvious. Yet they obfuscate them. They can't see clearly because of their feelings. Some of those unbelievable things. Y'all listen to my radio show. You'd be shocked. I just one lady email me. You know, my husband uh, uh, wants us to have uh, window sex. What do you think of that? I said, what's that? And you just think, when you think you've heard it all, someone takes it to a new level. You know what I'm saying? I said, well, I don't know what that is. She said, well, it's, it's when you have sex standing in front of the window so people can see you. All right, now check it out. Check it out, okay? First of all, I can't even begin to imagine suggesting to my wife (laughs) that we traumatize the neighborhood children, all right? I mean, what, what line do you cross in your brain even to ask the question? Even if you're twisted enough to have the thought fly through your head. How sick do you got to be to actually suggest this to your spouse? And sadly, this spouse, it's not obvious to her. She's got to email me and ask what I think. My wife would never ask anybody what to think about that. She'd be too busy talking to the police. (laughs) I, I don't know what happened, officer. I was just holding the knife and he... He ran into it. <laughs> yeah, yes, sir, 13 times. Just, ah, 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 ah. <laughs> what do I think? The next two, we put this in the category of just the dark arts, idolatry and witchcraft. You know, people who are into all these seances, all kinds of, you know, that kind of comes and goes in waves, it seems like, in this country. We're kind of on a downswing of that, but trust me, she'll come roaring back. Watch out for that. Warning Christians to avoid this. Something should be obvious. You watch when it comes roaring back in some big fad. Fad, how many Christians will just... (laughs) Then we've got the anger management group. Hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage. Now, the Bible says it's okay to get mad. It's, just, it's fine. Just don't sin. Don't go psycho crazy. It's amazing how many people in their anger, Christians, who justify some of the most outrageous behavior, some of the most horrible things that come flying out of your mouth. Men who are supposed to be men but have no idea what it means to be a man. They have the plumbing but they don't have the backbone that goes with it men who when they get angry at their wives scream at them and curse at them and demean them and say horrible things to them you sir are no man 
you need to knock it off. This kind of stuff should be obvious. I get people get upset. Go for a walk. Take a shower. Stick your head in a toilet. Give yourself a swirly. (laughs) Then we got the ego group. Selfish ambition. Dissensions. Factions and envy. These are the guys. They want want people to listen to them. They are so so much smarter than everybody else. They went to the little dissensions, little groups, you know. They go, get around me, get around me. Every, you know, churches are dealing with this all the time. Little groups that, you know, I don't know what a pastor, if I agree with that. And I, I don't think this is right about that. And I don't think we should be doing that. I think we ought to get together and talk about how we shouldn't be doing that. Man, this should be obvious. That this is wrong, but zing, not obvious at all. Why? Because they live by their sinful nature. They say all the right things, but they live by their sinful nature. And critical little splinting little groups and stuff don't you be a part of something like that and you hear somebody wanting to get a little girl you stay away from them for crying out loud there's always somebody you know we don't have it too much around here thank God we don't tolerate that kind of nonsense about a year ago we had some of this, some people all gathering together totally disapproving of me I don't know the pastor I don't know you know, one of their complaints they said you're too funny Apparently they are the giggle police. <laughs> uh, at some point, something apparently becomes too funny. I'm not sure what that line is. I guess a ha 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 is okay, but a guffaw is over the line. <laughs> Good grief! Like they have no other thing, nothing better to do than to decide what's inappropriate from the pastor's giggles. One guy confronted me. He says, "You know, it's not, it's not, it's not going to church. It's like..." Going to a, to a, you know, David Letterman show. I said, really? <laughs> they think they're insulting me. You know, they're cool. Yeah. Just you know, whatever. You know, they'll just find something stupid, anything stupid. They can jump on to get a little little group together, a little click. It's all about ego. It's all ego and. Then the final group is the party group. And uh, drunkenness, orgies, and the like. These are the ones that they like to go have a good time and party and no rules really apply. Again, he's writing not to pagans. He's writing to Christians. And don't you be going out late at night in bars and stuff and drinking and getting wasted and acting stupid. Marshall, okay, I believe in Jesus. Hello? He says, I warn you. Now, this is the part of the Bible you never hear. Everybody's so into just grace today. It's not grace, it's grease. God just loves everybody. God just loves, yeah, he loves everybody. He loves anybody. And again, anybody who fails in any of these areas, I don't have a problem with you. If you say, man, I'm sorry. I want to make it right with God. Man, I, I got no problem with that with anybody. But for the grace of God, I'd do all these things. It's when we justify it. Oh, there's nothing wrong with it. Nothing wrong wrong with it I think it's fine because I feel he says I warn you check out what he says writing to Christians I warn you as I did before that those who live like this will not everybody say not Not. will not inherit the kingdom of God you think you're going to get into the kingdom acting like this Thing he said, okay, well, I go to church. Well, whoopty stinking do. 
Well, I believe in Jesus, so does the devil. You think you can act like this, live like this, and you're going to get into the kingdom of God? I don't think so. These things should be obvious. You don't want to live according to your sinful nature. It will take you into roads of destruction that will destroy your life. I invite all the ushers to come forward and get ready to uh, serve communion at the different campuses, the musicians as well. But then he changes the subject. He says, so that's the negative side of this. But, he says, when you get on the spirit side of this, check out this picture. But the fruit of the spirit... Here's the destructive of the sinful nature. This is why you don't want to go there. But the fruit of the Spirit, if you will empower and let God fill your life, the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Fabulous things. Now next Sunday is Mother's Day. You don't want to forget that, guys. But when I get back, I want to be able to, you know, back in the pulpit preaching, I want to pick up on this part of it. And I want to give you a whole message just talking about the fruits of the Spirit. What it's like when your life is filled with love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. It is a fabulous, wonderful, glorious thing. And we'll talk about that when we do part two of this message of the war of the worlds. Well, what about you this morning? Where are you at on this struggle? Are you allowing your sinful nature to pull you into things? Again, there's mercy, there's grace, there's forgiveness if you will just repent. I have no problem with that. But don't deceive yourself thinking it's okay. If you're one of these people who thinks it doesn't matter, trust me, you don't want to take communion. You want to pass on that. Just kind of let that plate go by. The Bible warns us that if we willfully do things we know God says is wrong and then take communion, you're actually taking curses and damnation on yourself. Let it pass by. But if you've been living according to the sinful nature, you say, Father, forgive me. All you got to do, God, forgive me. Help me to get this right. And remember, you can't do this on yourself. You can't just, Paul wrote, he says, if I, if I live like this, everything I want to do that's good, I can't do. It's like every time I want to do righteousness, evil's right there controlling me. If you're caught in that trap, change the way you think. Start becoming spiritually minded. So the Spirit of God enables you. He empowers you to do that which you cannot do. That's why he said, "Be thanks be to God. Because God enables us to be able to do the life that we could not do, but for the power of God in our lives. Have you yielded to that power in your life today? Maybe you're visiting a celebration campus this morning and you're thinking, wow, you know, it's... I've never really even tried to put my faith in God. If you will put your faith in Jesus this morning and ask him to come into your life and to forgive you of your sins, he'll come into your life. He will start into empowering you to do that which you could not do. So you can start living a life of love, joy, peace, kindness, and all these other things that we'll be talking about. I'm going to invite everybody to bow their heads in a word of prayer this morning. If you're here and you've never really truly surrendered your life to Jesus Christ we're going to pray a prayer together we're all going to pray it together and if you'll join with us and really mean this from the bottom of your heart you can experience God's forgiveness and grace in your life today let's pray this say dear Jesus I admit that I'm a sinner and that I have sinned against you I believe you are the son of God that you love me so much 
you went to the cross and you took my punishment I ask you to come into my heart and to forgive me of my sins I now surrender my life to you Amen